0: Amen. Amen, amen, and grab a seat, and as you grab a seat, get a copy of God's Word on your lap in front of you, turn it to Acts chapter 8. If you need a Bible under a seat nearby, you'll find a, a, a Bible under one of those chairs, and uh, get it open, use the table of contents if need be to Acts, the book of Acts in uh, chapter 8. And uh, as you turn there, um, there's a, uh, I've heard a couple families around here as they're teaching their kids about what it means to obey, what it means to be obedient. There's a little saying they use for them, and I love this saying, the first time I heard it, I said, I love that. And uh, how they teach their kids obedience is like this, right away, all the way with a happy heart. And all the parents in the room said, amen. Like right away, all the way with a happy heart. The very first time I heard some parents use that, I said, stealing that. That is going to be taught in the Graham home. That's going to be taught to the Graham kids. And then very quickly after that thought, I realized that needs to be taught to Mr. Graham. Right away, all the way with a happy heart. How often does our good and gracious Heavenly Father ask us to do something, call us to obey, and is my response, is my act of obedience right away? No delay, no questions asked, no, God, I need more from you on this, and can we have a conversation, and what? No, right away. No delay in my obedience. How often is it all the way? Not a, God, I've done most of that, and we're pretty much all the way there, and I think I've done enough, and it's pretty good All the way. Right away, all the way, and then the best part of it all, the motive that gets at the obedience with a happy heart, with joy in following him. And this very word, the title of the message, very simple, a simple title for a very simple message. Uh, the, the word is Obey. And often, like, there's something in, the, in our flesh that just kind of wants to react and kind of buck against that word a bit of obey or obedience because it seems so restrictive to us. And like, But here's the truth. You and I know this if you follow Jesus for any time at all. Following after Jesus, obeying Jesus in all things is not restrictive and it's not a joy kill. Following and obeying Jesus in all things is the greatest path and source of joy that there is. God is a good dad to us, and what he calls us to obey him in, um, it's for his glory, and it's for our good, and there's great joy found in that. And I say all this because this this passage today, I believe this passage is going to kind of enroll us in a lesson in the school of obedience this morning. Um, little context of where we've been. If you're just joining us this Sunday, we are walking. We're spending um, pretty much the whole year of 2018 walking verse by verse through this awesome book in the Bible called the book of Acts. And um, there's a verse at the beginning of the book of Acts that really lays out how the rest of the book is structured. And it said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, what we are seeing is the church is spreading through uh, God's sovereignty in the, in the Persecution of the Jesus followers has begun to spread them out, and the ministry has advanced into Samaria, and I'm telling you something, the ministry in Samaria is going well. It is fruitful. People are getting saved. Uh, A revival is sweeping across that area, and there's one guy that, um, that, that has led the charge, certainly not doing all the work, but there's a guy that acts notes who's kind of led the charge of the gospel expansion work into Samaria, and his name is Philip. And so Philip, we've seen, tied to the ministry in Samaria, now God's going to do something in Philip's life today. He's going to come, and he's going to tap him on the shoulder, and he's going to say, hey, Philip, guess what? Next assignment. I'm moving you on. I'm calling you somewhere else. Now, I just got to be honest with you. If I was Philip, I would have gone, now? But everything's going so well. Like, God, I'm all for you moving me when things aren't going well. But things are going so well. People are getting saved. Look at, the, look at the work that's going on there. And God's like, I know I'm doing it, right? Um, he's like, why now? Why now? It's not what Philip says at all, actually, though. Philip doesn't have the response that I think, as I look at my own heart, I might have had in this. Instead, what we're going to find throughout the course of this passage are um, just what I'm calling three statements of immediate obedience. Three statements of immediate obedience. Two on Philip's part. One on the part of a guy who Philip's going to meet and minister to. And as we study this passage today, this, passage is not, this, this, this message today is not complicated, I don't think there's anything in the message today that's going to leave you walking out of here with your head hurting, going, I I don't understand that. What did that say? This passage, I think think the scary thing for all of us about this passage is it's so clear. And God's going to call us to some action. In fact, by the Spirit of God, as we get into a message on just simple obedience to what Jesus has called us to, all of us in the room are probably going to go, yeah, Lord, I know. I know. You've been calling me to do that. You've been calling me to go there. You've been calling me to tell them. Listen, here's the here's the what's Sunday. Someone asked you this week, what's church about Sunday? Here it is. Don't delay to obey. Don't delay to obey. And what we're gonna see here: three statements of immediate obedience that I prayed by the power of God's Spirit would work on obedience and following after Jesus in our own heart. And so let's pray and ask for God's help as we study God's word so that God can do a work in us. Pray with me, Father. Lord, um, messages on obedience can be hard because, Lord, you're going to convict us of some things. You're probably going to expose some things. You're going to exhort us to some things. And, God, we just pray right now that, uh, that your spirit would have your way with our heart. Um, God, whatever you want, would your word right now fillet our heart wide open and just do the work on it that you have set out this morning to do? God, we want to hear from you, and we're thankful that you've given us your word where we can hear from you. God, I pray that you would get the preacher out of the way of the preaching, that your spirit would teach us now as the word is proclaimed. God, do a great work in our hearts this morning. Give us understanding, and then, Lord, give us the courage to apply what we understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 8. Pick up the story with me in verse 26. Remember, Philip's been, uh, the ministry in Samaria is going gangbusters. That's a, a deep theological statement for everything's going really, really well. And a lot of people are getting saved. And now look at what God does to lead Philip elsewhere. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south. To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. Okay, there's the instruction. Rise and go. Hey, um, Where am I going? You're going south. Okay. On what road? That You know the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza? Go, start walking south on that road. And that's all Philip has. Well, that's not all Philip has. What he's told that you're going to kind of get into some desert places, Okay. And so God is calling Philip out of where he's been. All he has told them is start walking south on the road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. I just got a question, kind of a poll the audience. How many of you would need more than that to start walking? How many of you need more than that? You can be honest. It's okay. You need a little more than that to start walking. Let's look and see what Philip does here with just that information. Verse 27. And he rose and what? And he rose and went. Five very short words, making up one very short statement. Um, um, God said by the mouth of an angel, hey, Philip, here's what you need to do. You know that road. Start walking south. And Philip goes, great, I'm gone. And he gets up and he goes. There's no, there's no um, recording here of there being an extended conversation between Philip and the Lord. Philip didn't go, hey, God, uh, can, you on the, can you roll out the strategic plan of all this? where we going in this, And, and kind of that the road south to Gaza, that's pretty broad. I mean, can you narrow down who I'm going to, why I'm going there, when I'll know when I get there? And there's none of that on Philip's part. God said go. Philip gets up, and he goes. First point, very simple. What we need to know today is this. Don't delay to go where God says to go. Amen? Don't delay to go where God says to go. When God makes it very clear, next step, go here, boom, go. There's no delay in Philip's part. He told Philip, south on the road to Gaza, and Philip gets up and he goes. Now, there's um, a couple things we need to remember about what God is doing when he calls us on to somewhere else, when, when God is maybe changing the where in our life, he's calling, us to a new, uh, he's calling us in faith to a new job, he's calling us in faith to uh, a move across town, across the country, he's calling us in faith to something. When God is changing the where, a couple of things we need to be reminded of. All he tells Philip here is what? Start walking on the road south. That's all Philip knows at this time right here. Here's something we need to be reminded of when God often is moving us and He's commanding us I, I'm I'm taking you somewhere. You need to get up and go. Um, God often in those times doesn't unroll and lay out the entire map for us to see. He just tells us what the next step is. To, to wax poetic with you, let's say it like this when God says go, the whole plan may not show. See what I did there? I'll be here all morning. All right. <laughs> when God says go, the whole plan may not show. We don't like this. One of our greatest fears is the uncertainty of the unknown. We love to go and obey God. Hey, I, hey, Brock, I'm calling you out to this. Great, I'm gone as soon as you show me step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, um, through 18, and I'm yours. I'm gone. Often the way God works, and you see it in Scripture. Hey. Um, I need, I need you to go. I need you to go. I need you to trust me in this. I need you to go. Well, where am I going? Yeah, uh, just, just obey with the next step I've given you. I'll, un, I'll, un, I'll unroll more of the map as you take the next step. Why does God work like this? Why does God work like this? Because he loves when our going is a going in faith. Uh, um, this week, putting my three-year-old in his pajamas for bed, We get the -the glow-in-the-dark Spider-Man's on him, some of his faves, and as soon as glow-in-the-dark Spider-Man's are on, he climbs up in his bed, but he does something that he'd never done before that. He climbed up in his bed, and then he, he, he stood up, and he scooted over to the edge, and I'm a couple feet away across the room there on the floor, and he scoots over to the edge, and he crouches down, and he smiles at me. And now listen, every man who's been a boy knew exactly what that smile was saying, right? Like, like oh, it was the coolest dad-son moment. It was the first time we didn't even have to talk. I just smiled back at him, and I nodded my head. And he torpedo-launched, the dark Spider-Man across the room and into my arms. And guess what? My three-year-old loved it, but guess what? His daddy did too. Why? Well, if they're the three-year-old, he just loves launching his body across the room. For the daddy, I love that my three-year-old actually knew I'd catch him on the other side. Some of you in here, and I want to say this very carefully so you understand, some of you in here need to jump. Like the Spirit of God has been calling you to something and he has been knocking on you and you, you've just not been obedient to it and you've been waiting for God to unroll the entire treasure map for you before you take the next, take the next step, jump. Your daddy's a pretty safe dad who will catch you. Now we're going to talk about how do you know when God's leading you to jump? How do you know when God's saying go? We're going to get to that, and it's really important. But the second thing, when God says go, and when He's changing the where, I want us to get this because this is really, really important to get. Um, God doesn't only move us on, or God doesn't only say go when things are going bad. We love when God moves us on when things are going bad. I hate my job. God, give me a new job, please. God, I'll go anywhere. We, we're all ready. We're all signed up to go, to leave, to obey the Lord, and go to somewhere else when things are going bad. I want us to remember something. Things are going exceptionally well in Samaria, and God shows up, and he says, I want you to go. God also moves us on at times where we're like, huh, didn't see that coming things are going so extraordinarily well, and God says, yeah, I know, I know, I got this, I got this, so on to the next thing. Now, on the other side of that, just a side note, um, don't assume, don't assume just because things are going bad in some area of your life that God, that means God is moving you on. Work's rough. You're homesick. You don't know why in the world God has you where he has you right here. You would rather go back to somewhere else. Um, Uh, Don't assume just because things are rough and going bad that God is moving you on. Maybe he just wants you to get back up the next day and go right back to where he's had you the whole time. Why? Why? We get into the why here. What is God doing when he says go and he moves us to different places? Keep reading the passage here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go towards the south, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now just stop there. We get the privilege, as Luke writes this story, he's unpacking for us as a narrator, we get the privilege of knowing something. We get the privilege of knowing something of what, of, what, of what Philip is going to walk into. When Philip starts his journey south on that road, he doesn't know what he's walking into. He just knows he's supposed to go south. But there's someone on this path. It's an Ethiopian. It's a government official of Ethiopia. It's basically the, the, um, the head of the Department of Treasury for the Queen of Ethiopia. What we also know about this guy is he seems to be a truth seeker. He had just come to Jerusalem to worship. We don't know if he was a convert to Judaism. We don't know if he was seeking out. He had heard about this Yahweh God and was seeking out truth of of what it meant to follow, to know God. But all we're told is on this journey, there's an Ethiopian government official ahead. Now, I want us to understand something as it applies to our life. What is God doing when he calls us where he calls us? Let's say it like this. God calls us where he calls us for who he calls us to. God calls us where he calls us for who he calls us to. As Philip leaves the ministry in Samaria, he doesn't know who he's going to, but God has someone perfectly in mind that he's going to minister to. Now, question for you. The ministry in Samaria, as we've said all along, lots of people getting saved. Fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. I want us to understand something. God has called Philip away from that fruitful revival type ministry going on there to get on a road to go interact with one person. How many miles does Philip travel here for the interaction with one guy? And why in the world would God pull Philip out of the heart of Samaria to go minister to one guy? Because we know the heart of our God because one life is worth it, amen? But not only that, one life is worth it. And where's this guy going? Back to Ethiopia. What you're now going to have by the end of the story is a gospel carrier back into northern Africa, God knows exactly what he's doing in leading Philip on this journey. God calls us where he calls us for who he calls us to. Now, for our life, those of you about to take off and head to college, God calls you to the college he calls you to not simply for the degree offerings in which it offers. God calls you to the college he calls you to for those he's calling you to minister to while you're there. And God has called us to the neighborhoods that we live in, not only because we did a we walked through on a showing at one time and we went, I love the layout in that backyard, and awesome, awesome, awesome. Not only for that, God calls us to the neighborhood in which He's called us to live in for those neighbors he's called us to minister to. God calls us to the workplace in which we work, not only because it's the job that we landed and the paycheck that we get, but because God has called us to minister to those God has called us to minister to. You heroes of stay at home moms, listen up. God calls you where he calls you to. The most important job that you can have of discipling up, the greatest ministry you can have right there in your living room. God calls us where he calls us to for who he calls us to. Amen. And this is what you see. Philip gets on the road. He heads south. He's going to encounter this Ethiopian. Look what happens as he does. Uh, pick it up with me in uh, verse 29. He was returning, 28, he was returning seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah 29 and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Second statement of immediate, immediate obedience, verse 30, so Philip what? Ran. So Philip ran to him. The, the, the spirit speaks Philip's walking south down the road, and uh, the spirit goes, that chariot, see that chariot over there? Yeah, go there. And Philip doesn't go. (laughs) Philip takes off. He runs to the chariot again. He doesn't know why he's running to the chariot. He just knows the spirit said run, or the spirit said go to the chariot, and he takes off, and he runs. As he comes up on the chariot, listen to what he encounters. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him Reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked, do you understand what you are reading? There's the chariot. Spirit says, go to that chariot. Philip runs over there, and as he gets closer, he hears a guy inside reading. And as he gets it, he goes, I, that's familiar. I know he's reading Isaiah. He's reading the prophet Isaiah and he gets to the, so imagine, imagine you're the Ethiopian in the chariot and you're just reading away and you're reading out loud and you don't even realize someone's listening. And this guy's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And you're like, (laughs) "Ah!" And all of a sudden, Philip's there just outside the chariot. Hey, do you, do you understand? Do you even know what you're reading right now? I love the statement of immediate obedience. Go over to this chariot here. So Philip ran. Point number two is this. Don't delay to do what God says to do. Don't delay to do what God says to do. Now, in this passage here, you had as God led Philip on the road south, it said an angel of the Lord led him to do this. You have divine intervention through the angel. Now you have in this this part here when he's called over to the chariot, Verse 29 says, And the Spirit said to Philip. And the Spirit said to Philip. Uh, this, This leads us to an important understanding today of understanding that the Spirit of God leads us. The Spirit of God prompts us. The Spirit of God will speak and guide and counsel us. So it leads to an important question here because as I said earlier in the illustration of my son jumping off the bed and saying jump, if God is saying jump, jump, um, we better make sure we understand when when it's God who's saying jump, right? All of us have had those times in life where God said to do it. I don't think it was God, you know? How do we discern when it's the Lord leading us and not the sandwich we had for lunch? You know what I'm talking about? A couple of things. These are really, really high level, and these these are an entire sermon themselves, and need to be unpacked way more. But hopefully, some of this is helpful. Discerning when the Spirit is leading and guiding. Number one is this: just ask the question. Is this like prompting I'm getting? Right? Is it in line with God's Word? Like that's just the first question we need to ask. Is this like this thing that I feel compelled to go to? Is it in line with what God has revealed in His Word? I can't even tell you the amount of times like you'll counsel with people, you'll talk to people and they'll say, God is leading me to dot, dot, dot. God is calling me to dot, dot, dot. God wants me to dot, dot, dot. And then the dot, dot, dot to finish the sentence is something that is completely contrary to what God has already revealed to us in his word. We can know with certainty that God would never lead us by his spirit to do something that's contrary to his word. He's a good dad who doesn't confuse us. What he's revealed to us in his word, he will always lead us by his spirit in line with the word that he's given to us. Capish? Number two, does it put the spotlight on Jesus? Remember, we've said this throughout our study of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit's greatest desire is to spotlight Jesus. The Son, the beautiful interaction of the Godhead, the Trinity. The Son loves to glorify the Father. The Spirit loves to spotlight the Son. The Holy Spirit, as he is moving, loves to make much of Jesus. So if what we're about to do or feel prompted to do or compelled to do, if it makes much of us or it makes much of something else other than Jesus, it's probably not of the Spirit because the Spirit's all about spotlighting Christ. And now, uh, don't put the third one up yet, but let me kind of explain the third one. Make sure when you see the third one, we don't divorce it from the first two. If we divorce number three from the first two, it'll lead to a lot of confusion and a lot of dangerous Decision making, okay? But with these first two kind of in place, number three then, is it a strong urging, seemingly at times, it can seemingly be out of nowhere? Is this a strong compulsion, a strong urging? Now, why did I say don't divorce that from number one and two? Because sin can work in the same way, right? I have a strong urging. I have a strong compulsion. I'm just going to go do this. No. Is it in line with God's word? And does it put the spotlight more on Jesus? Does it glorify God in the doing of it? But then there are times where you get this, uh, this compulsion, this leading, this urging, this prompting that the spirit of God is leading you to do something. You're like, man, it's in line with the word. I think this will make much of Jesus. I think God's leading me in to do this. So for our lives. Don't delay to do what God says to do. When God puts someone on your heart who you're to give to, don't delay to obey. Well, is it in line with the word of God? Yes, he calls us to be a radically generous people. Does it make much of Jesus? Yes. Is it a strong compulsion that I sense I'm supposed to give to that person in need? Yes. Don't delay to obey. When God says to give, give. When God says to do, do. When God says to go, go. When God says to tell, tell. Uh, a guy in my life, been in my life a long time, doesn't know Jesus. I'm driving on the road. It's been years and years and years of just putting off a clear gospel conversation with this guy. And I didn't want to do it over the phone, but I couldn't delay anymore. The compulsion of the Spirit of God said, "Stop your disobedient. Call the guy. Share the gospel." And I did. And I'm driving down the road and I had tears running down my eyes because I don't know, but I just know the Spirit of God had led me to do that at that moment. And you know what the guy on the other end says? Hmm, I'll think about it. I can't control that part of it. Only control what God had led me by His Spirit to do. When God says go, when God says do, do. Now, look at how this plays out here as Philip gets to the chariot. Verse 31 remember he just said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian's response, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And now now the eunuch sets it up on a T for Philip. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Huh? T? And Philip, then Philip, verse 35, opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And so there's Philip at the chariot door. You got the Ethiopian sitting inside here. And uh, Philip comes up and he goes, "Hey, I hear you're 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 reading uh, you're reading Isaiah. Do you do you get what you're reading?" And the guy goes, "How can you?" I mean, what is this talking about? Is this like an autobiography? Is he writing about himself or is he writing about someone else? And, and, and tell me, like, someone help me understand this. And now you got Philip in the chariot next to this Ethiopian government official. And that you can see it, like, the, 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 the scriptures are laid open in front of them. And Philip's like, okay, let me show you this part over here. And Philip uses the book of Isaiah to unpack the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with this man. He goes, let me tell you about who this lamb is. This is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He looks at the Ethiopian and he says, can I, can I share a good news message with you? No one maybe has ever told you this, but you've sinned. It means you're, you haven't done what God has prescribed for us to do. And because you've sinned, you've offended a holy God, and guess what, I have too. And all of humanity is in this thing called sin, and God says there's penalty for sin, and that penalty is death. It's what separates us from God forever. And then he goes, Ethiopian, listen to me, I got good news though. This lamb, this lamb who was led to the slaughter, He was led to the slaughter. He was killed so that we could live. He died so that we could have hope. And his name is Jesus. And this lamb has come and he's died on a cross. And the moment we call on him in faith, he saves us and he seals us and we'll worship this lamb forever in heaven. And he unpacks the good news message to this Ethiopian. Now, look at the guy's response. Verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so through the proclamation of the gospel, Philip says, and as soon as someone calls on Jesus in faith, the way we go public with this faith in Jesus, we share it with the world, is we're baptized in water. We go under and we come back up, and we've declared to the whole world, I follow Jesus. And the eunuch goes, hey, water, why not now? And Philip's like, Manuel, I don't know. Why not? Now let's go. And down into the water they go. Immediate obedience. Right now. If that's what God said to do, let's go. Let's do this. Into the water they go. Into the water and things get awesome right here. Okay, read the Bible. It's awesome. I'm telling you. And and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way, what? Rejoicing. You're the Ethiopian. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Psh, phew, pow! It says it. It's right there in the Greek, I promise. And this guy who had just run up to your chariot and it's like, do you understand what you're reading? Just baptize you and now he's gone. And the eunuch from that moment on you can see the smile creep across his face. He hops back into that chariot and it says he goes on his way rejoicing. And he's like, "Man, I don't fully understand what just happened there, but that was of God." What happened to Philip? But Philip verse 40 found himself in Azotus and he passed through and as he passed through he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. I want to know what Philip was thinking. You know what I mean? Whoa. (laughs) Third point, and it goes back to the obedience of the Ethiopian here. Don't delay to display what God says to display. What do I mean by that? Philip unpacked the gospel for this guy. And he said, now, okay, here's the deal. Once someone has put their faith in Jesus Christ, you go public in this you get baptized you display that faith outwardly you display that internal faith outwardly through baptism and the ethiopian says water water why not now why not today i'm a follower of jesus i've put my faith in the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world if boy if being baptized shows the world that i want to go right now i don't want to delay let's get it done And how fitting for us today, Harvest, that we get to celebrate a Baptism Sunday here today for those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior and are going public in that faith for Jesus Christ and showing us all. We ready for that here, Harvest? We love Baptism Sundays. We love what they do here. Now, um, those helping with baptism are getting up and they're getting ready. But um, let let me ask this. Let me ask this. There are people who walked in the building today knowing... That they were being baptized today. Some of you walked in the building today, um, not knowing that you were going to be baptized today. Then we don't we don't do forced baptisms, okay? So don't freak out right now. But here's here's what I mean by that. What you see, what you see in Acts eight, what you see in Acts eight. The question that this Ethiopian asks. Look at me. Look at me. The question that this Ethiopian asks. Look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? Some of you in here today, you've followed Jesus for months or years. Some of you in here today have maybe even followed Jesus for decades. And you've had all different reasons throughout the years of following after Jesus of why you're delaying obeying him and displaying this faith that you have in Christ through baptism. Listen, don't delay to obey today. Today's today to come and go public in that faith for Jesus Christ. Look, here's water. Why not today? We're like, well, I can think of why not today. I ain't walking out of here with wet clothes. No, we got clothes. We got clothes. We got contact lens holders. We got hair dryers. We got flip-flops. We got uh, toiletry bags. There is no excuse from a material possession standpoint why you can't be baptized today. It's all right over in that room. And if you've known Jesus as your Savior, you're trusting in him alone for salvation and you've never obeyed him and gone public in that faith today. As we worship right now, you're going to get up all these side doors and you're going to go and you're going to say, I'm not delaying to obey him anymore. First service, 12 people. 12 people went public. 12 people went public. One one came in thinking they were being baptized. 11 more said, yeah, I can't delay obeying Christ in this, this morning. Some of you have followed Jesus for a long time and you've just de- delayed it and you're like, I, I have. I, you're like, honey, give me an excuse why I can't like, and don't delay to obey. Others of you, um, and I say this very gently because I know we all come from different kind of traditions and faith understandings, but um, we believe what the Bible teaches that baptism is a public declaration that comes after someone is a believer. We believe it's a believer's baptism. And some of you, you were maybe baptized as an infant or as a child, and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just just doing it. They said to do it, so I'm doing it. And then later in your life, you've come to legitimate faith in Jesus Christ. He's captured your heart. He is Lord. And you've never had a believer's baptism. You, for yourself, making that decision for yourself, have never said, no, I faith has gripped me Jesus is Lord and I need to go publicly before the church and proclaim that and I've never done that before. And story after story this morning of people of, who were baptized before they had any sort of faith understanding in Jesus because of a tradition or whatever and are there, they, with the hands raised they said, hey, I want you all to know I'm a Jesus follower and I'm ready to show that to you in baptism. Some of you in here walked in here today not even knowing Jesus. The story that Philip told to the Ethiopian, the good news of Jesus Christ, let me recap that with you. If you didn't know Jesus Christ when you walked in here, I'm gonna offend you before I heal that offense, okay? You walked in here today separated from God in your sin. And now before you get up out of your seat and leave, like that was so mean of me to say, I want you to know I was separated from God in my sin until I was 19 years old. And I had all the head knowledge before that. I could have quoted John 3:16. I could have told you about Jesus, but I was separated from Him because faith had not gripped my heart, and He had not sat on the throne of my life as Lord. And if you walked in here today and He isn't Lord, you're separated from God in your sin, in your sin deserves, the sin of our lives deserves to be separated from God forever. Praise be to God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, who loved you so much that he went to the cross and he paid the penalty for your sin. And it's by the grace of God that you are saved through faith, not by works, because ain't none of us got anything to boast about. And if you walked in here today not knowing Jesus Christ, you can walk out of here today knowing Jesus Christ, crying out to him right there, right now, in your seat and saying, Lord, Jesus, save me. And then your story can be like that of the Ethiopians. The gospel's unpacked to him in his charity. He's like, I believe, yeah, I'm all in, Jesus. I need him. There's water. Let me go public with this brand new faith right now. What if that's your story here today? Let me go public with this brand new faith right now junior high girl in first service sitting in there I said when did you come to know Jesus Christ she said "Uh, just now and has the story of the Ethiopian of going public with that faith right now but I I just what if God is asking us to ask the question the Ethiopian asked this morning look there's water why not now so encouraging to hear 11 people this morning just say I I had to go public. I couldn't make any more excuses. I couldn't delay to obey. Look, here's water. Why not now? And so the worship team, they're going to sing. We're going to go into a time of worship, church. We're going to get ready to celebrate some baptisms in this place. Amen. And as we begin to sing, you get up and you go right now. You walk out those side doors right now even before we start singing if you need to. But as we're singing, you go out those side doors. You say there's people out here ready to talk with you, to walk you through this process, to help you understand what you're doing, what you, what, that you have a relationship with Jesus, what you're committing to here today. And if you're thinking like, oh, you know, I, you know I, I feel that tug on my heart, but that, I don't want to get up and walk in front of people. That's part of the baptism declaration publicly we're going before people and saying, I follow Jesus. I want you all to know. That's part of it. That's part of it. Some of you might be thinking, well, I, you know, if I do this, like a grandma, I think grandma would really want to be here and like, what? If, but grandma's not here. And listen, on behalf of grandma, let me tell you, she'll be pumped. Okay. Grandma will be pumped. We'll send her the video. Okay. No more excuses. No more excuses. Church, rise on your feet right now. Let me pray for us. Let me just pray. Let me say one more thing on that as we get ready to worship. This, we're, not after, we're not after emotionalism right here, trying to coerce you into doing something. You know right now, if the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart, that he's carrying your feet out these side doors. You know that. Just obey. Just obey. Father God, we come now. And I just pray, that, you know, we trust your spirit and the leading of these moments here. And I just pray, God, would you, lead, would you lead and guide us now? I pray, Lord, those people who are there who know, hey, I, I can't delay in this. I need to go public with my faith in Jesus. Lord, would you give them the courage right now? Part of baptism is courage to go public. That's given to us by your spirit, God. So Lord, a huge celebration and first service of those. And Lord, we're just so excited to celebrate with those you're bringing forward today who are saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. I want the world to know. Let me proclaim outwardly this faith of what Jesus has done in my heart. God, lead us in this moment seriously.